Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. All right, everybody, welcome back to another GDT Tuesday. I am your host, Cody Coster. With me, as usual, Mr. John Spainhauer from downtown Chicago. John, how are you doing today? Doing great, Cody. Great to have you back on your own show this week. I appreciate that. Took a little hiatus uh, last week, but we are back. And speaking of being back in the GDT, we had a pretty eventful one today. Up, uh, what, one whole percent for an event 292 today, I believe? Yeah, you bet, Cody. You know, if you go back, you know, over the past few months, we saw the GDT moving lower and lower and lower, and that event reverse course on the last auction. And um, if you remember correctly, we finally got a chance to move higher. Some of the components on the auction moved, like skim milk powder moved as much as 7.3% higher. Whole milk powder was able to bounce higher last time, and that it kind of reversed the course of the future. Now, here we come into this week, and we didn't see quite as big of a lift on any of the products, but certainly we did see some follow-through and some pretty important things taking place. If we look at it through the lens of, well, what what happened here and why is this important? The first thing I'd like to point out is that through the industry right now, there is a, a grave concern that China is done buying or is near done buying the product that they need. The reason I point that out is simply because China has been the buyer of importance, um, not only in dairy products, but in almost every other commodity in the world right now, right? I mean, they're just such a massive buyer that when they are buying, prices go up, and when they're not buying, prices typically go down. And here we are in a situation where prices have been going up and up and up, mainly on the back of Chinese buying. A few other factors as well, but China, Chinese buying has been a big part of it. And you know, we again, we saw the GDT reverse course a few months ago and start drifting lower. And there, there's been kind of a, a thought process in here that China was done and without them, the price is going to move lower. We've had some questions about uh, internally about, you know, it, what exactly that means and is that true or not. And I guess if I look at this auction right now, when I, I, I look at what happened a few months ago and, and put it all together, I guess I would say that China is not really done buying. The first reason I would point out is, if you remember, uh, we pointed out that the GDT made a press release two and a half months ago saying that they were reducing the amount of product that's offered on the GDT because they had demand for it off the exchange. It was a bit confusing if you'll remember, because that's less product for sale on the exchange, typically that means that prices go up when we have less less volume for sale. But as it turned out, prices went down. And that mainly came from the Chinese not necessarily participating on the exchange. However, they were, if you, you know, if you really look at it, it mean, just means that they bought off the exchange. So same amount of product for sale, maybe even the same amount of buying taking place, just a different channel in the way it was marketed. As time has gone on, that, that has brought on more, con- more and more concerns. Hey, these guys are done. And if you really look at you know, the, some of the data that we're seeing, it is true. China has bought less on the exchange than they bought in quite a while. It's just that in the last two auctions, we've, we've moved higher. And you say, how is that? 
first of all, I'll say that other people have been buying. We're seeing some pretty big uh, buying out of Southeast Asia as well as out of the Middle East. And so we've got some of these other regions that are supporting the market. But I also think it's very much true that the Chinese are continuing to buy off the exchange or they've contracted for, and that product will continue to ship. It's just a matter of how they're buying it. And we all, you know, I know there's been a lot, a large part of the discussion that says, well, they've been building inventories so that they can not have to buy here in the next few weeks, that they're going to build enough inventory. They can just put it away and then just start destocking on that inventory. Listen, that, that very well may be be the case, but I don't necessarily think that it, you know, there's a linear argument to make towards that. There's a lot of other factors that can take place. And one of the things that we really are focused on is that the domestic price of Chinese milk far exceeds the cost that it takes to import that milk from New Zealand. In other words, it's just way cheaper for them to just keep buying product from New Zealand, importing it, paying the duties, processing it into whatever products they want, and then selling it that way than it is for them to be buying fresh Chinese milk. And as long as that relationship continues, we're going to expect to see Chinese buying continue. It might not be as strong or as heavy as it was, but we certainly expect that they're going to be in here and that they're going to continue to buy product, and that's going to continue to keep prices supported. So hitting on that a little bit, John, even if it's not on the exchange, you can still uh, assume that China will be there kind of doing their off-exchange deals like you had just mentioned. Then, Do you see that happening for the foreseeable future while their milk price is so bolstered? Yeah, it's really hard for me to tell when or how those contracts are cut. If you if you go back and look at the newsletter that Fonterra put out and the, the, the volume reductions that they made, they made them through the 2020 marketing year. So we can assume that to a certain degree, probably more upfront than on the back, but you can assume that, you know, They've contracted and they'll continue to buy in this manner. It does make it a little bit confusing for market watchers here to say, well, how much are they buying or, you know, when are they going to stop or what even what price are they paying? The best thing that we're going to be able to do is keep a really, really sharp eye on the Chinese imports of dairy products. We get that information once a month. And I really encourage anybody listening to, you know, look for that publication coming out of Everag and really take that into consideration and, and question how it can be used. But that information will be a key indicator to us whether China is slowing down or not. And what we can say is right now their, their imports of dairy products maintain some pretty good strong levels. The product out of the U.S. into the world market, speaking of exports, has maintains at a healthy pace as well. So we're exporting a lot, not necessarily to China, but China is still importing. So as the Chinese import more and more product from New Zealand, that's taking product away from other areas that we're able to export to, and it's elevating our prices. Finally, one last thing on China. If I were to look at it, anybody that's looked at the stock market here in the last few days um, has seen that the stock market really took it on the chin specifically yesterday and has really failed to recover the majority of those losses. And that has been in a large part due to a real estate conglomerate in China preparing you know, to possibly default on their bonds. That somehow has spilled over into the, you know, the overall market. 
uh, these guys are too big to fail. And if they do fail, it's going to have a cascading effect on the Chinese economy. And therefore, they won't be able to buy more stuff. I don't. Again, I don't know that that's the most linear argument I've ever heard or, or seen, but it's certainly part of the marketplace today. One of the concerns was that they wouldn't be here today on the GDT. And what we can see is that the Chinese were here at a at a lower level than 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 usual. But that you know, based on the volume reductions and everything else, they're kind of par for the course for the last few months. We didn't really see any more. Or less out of that. And at the same point in time, other people stepped up. So I think it was just a really healthy sign that the GDT went up today in the face of what people felt like would be a tumultuous world economic market, as well as, you know, the possibility of a, a decreased Chinese participation. So I think what a lot of people are listening going that, that are going to want to know, John, is what do you think these implications will have on U.S. markets? I mean, we had a pretty strong day in cheese. Uh, but I think a lot of folks want to know more on like the powder side, which you had mentioned previously, you know, in the, in this episode, uh, non-fat is, you know, on our market has seen quite the, the run as of late. Do you see that continuing to follow along with the GDT? Yes, I do. At the very least, I see, you know, we're up here in the, you know, the non-fat market right now in the U.S. on the CME at 135. If we look at that in the context of the last few years, this is, you know, really the highest price in seven years up here. There is a temptation for all of us to say that's a really high price. And, you know, to say there, there's not a whole lot of upside from there. I'm not really going to say whether there is or isn't a whole lot of upside in there. What I will say is the potential for upside is certainly still there. Uh, and the reason I say that is because, you know, when I look at Europe in the low 140s and then today New Zealand went to $1.50, here we are at $1.35. And I say that, you know, that, that discount uh, between the U.S. and the world market grew a little bit today. And I look at that and say that is at the very least going to help create exports that can take, you know, that will help take prices higher. But at the very least, I think it's very supportive of the U.S. non-fat market uh, just through the lens of exports. Completely separate note, we you know we got a milk production report here in the U.S. yesterday that really was well below expectations. People were looking for more of about 2%, and it came in just over 1%. A large part of that was due to a decreasing cow number. I look at that and say when milk gets tight in America, as per usual, a lot of times it comes out of the class four market. I feel like with the amount of cheese plants that have been added in the U.S. in the last few years, that as milk starts to tighten up here in the U.S., which it feels like it is, that's, that milk is going to come directly out of a class four processing facility, i.e. nonfat and butter. So I look at it and say the international market is very supportive of U.S. powder prices and that the domestic market itself lends a lot of support. I put those two together and say, I just don't think a dollar thirty-five, you know, is a price that you have to say, we can't go any higher than this. In fact, I think we can go higher, but at the very least, I think we're very supportive. On the cheese side, you know, here we are, New Zealand at a dollar ninety-four. That is... Uh, that, cheese is just a hard one to judge when it comes to this. But then when we go to butter, the butter price today, 
moved to 220. So we're at a price level that very much can capture some, uh, you know, butter exports. And again, if I look at that class four market um, and it's decreasing milk supply, I would look at it to say just domestically alone, the butter market is fairly well supported, but I definitely think these prices point towards exports of butter. All in all, I just look at this auction and say, it's now, you know, we've reversed the course of moving lower. We're now moving higher again, and we're doing so as we, you know, get closer to the New Zealand, you know, full-on milk production season. That's a really healthy sign. We also did this in the face of a very tumultuous equity market that took place here, specifically an equity market that is, you know, taking some of its direction, at least from the, the Chinese economic outlook. I can say with that in mind, the fact that we still went higher on the GDT today in the face of that is just a really great result for dairy. So with that said, I think U.S. prices here are supported to higher as we move into the fall from both this international perspective and the domestic milk production perspective. Okay. Just writing down a couple notes for uh, what next GDT is two weeks from now. So I guess we should be out of the whole, you know, uh, talks with China and, and what they're going to be doing over there. Right by that time, so we should know a little bit more of kind of what their government is thinking and and uh, you know what that insight looks like. So hopefully by the next time we talk, uh, we can still have a little bit higher prices and we can check in on the export report and kind of see how that's looking. Also, you betcha, Cody. And before we go, I just want to throw a shout out here to our our partner in crime, Brian Fletcher. He and his wife Sophie uh, had their first baby last night, so we're very excited for them. Hey, congratulations! So anybody that knows Mr. Fletcher, be sure and drop him a line. Absolutely. Well, with that, John, we appreciate you joining and uh, sharing the insight on the GDT. Is I found out a lot of people like to listen to this and, and get your opinion on it. Uh, the global dairy trade means a lot to a lot of people in this country, and they are very interested. So again, appreciate your insight, my friend. Any questions that anybody has or may have, please reach out uh, to Cody or myself directly. I look forward to hearing from you and uh, trying to run down some of those rabbit holes that exist in the GDT. Awesome. Well, until next time, everybody, we appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon.